Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. How many of you learned something last week about zeal, right? I had someone tell me I never knew what that word meant. And I said, well, now you'll never forget it because <laughs> I said it like 100 times last weekend. Uh, but if you want to follow along with me, um, just text the word sermons to 94,000 and you can follow along. I'm going to read out of the book of Luke chapter 15 and verse 1 through 7 and then we'll pray. Y'all ready? All right, y'all better be. It's gonna be a good, gonna be a good day. Hey, say hello to everyone on Facebook. We got some people out sick today. Say hello to them. Uh, my little one had got sick, so my whole family stayed behind. Uh, but everybody's doing good. So, just wanna say hi to those that couldn't be here today. We had some others just working and different things. So, we have our our extended Facebook family watching this morning. This is just as much for them as it is for y'all here in the room. Amen. Luke 15, verse 1 through 7, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Amen. Let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your constant mercy, for your constant grace. We thank you so much for your presence in this house this morning. We thank you, Lord, for those that are here in person, for those that are serving, for those that are watching online. Lord, I pray that this message touches us all, that this message speaks to us all, that this message buries deep into our heart and begins to take root and that we begin to move forward in what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. We'll get back to this story in a minute. I want to remind you of the definition of zeal. We said it a lot last week. The definition is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. How many of you like to work out? Okay, one person right there, right there. He gets the, he gets the prize right there. <laughs> Some of you, I mean, I know he does because he always be like, oh, tomorrow's leg day, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be praying for you, man. I'll be praying. If you ever do anything like exercising, starting a business, taking on a new project, raising children, it takes great energy, enthusiasm in pursuit of your cause or objective, right? 
You can't do anything half-hearted because when you approach things half-hearted, what ends up happening? You fall off to the side and then you go, oh, see, woo, power again. <laughs> Keep praying for the power, man. I think they got something going on. They're still working on it, I think, out there. Okay, that's me. I was like, what else am I hearing? Sorry, my hearing is way weird right now, so I'm struggling with that. Um, anything that we do, anything worth doing, you have to approach it with a measure of enthusiasm, zeal, passion, energy. Otherwise, you will forever feel like you can never accomplish anything. Here's what happens. We approach something with a good idea. But good ideas are a diamond. Don't put passion. Good ideas are just something that comes along. If you don't put passion behind it, that drive, that fire, that zeal, then it won't be accomplished. Even if you fail and you do it moving in that kind of pursuit, you're not failing, you're learning. The, the struggle is when you attempt something half-heartedly and then say, oh, I failed. No, 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 you didn't fail. You didn't give it all you had. And you didn't learn anything that way. And so there's this idea of zeal, uh, being passionate. And so Jesus is here talking with these people because they're complaining to him that he's sitting with sinners. They're complaining that he's talking with tax collectors. They're complaining that he is spending his energy, his effort, his enthusiasm on people who do not know God. And he's like, wait a minute. Wouldn't you pursue that one lost sheep? Wouldn't you go after with energy, with passion, that one that got away? Right? If you cared about your sheep, you would go after those sheep. If you cared about what belongs to you, you would go and do whatever it took to protect it. Everybody agreed. He goes, and that's the same reason why I'm talking with these people that you don't want to be associated with because they are lost and they need relationship. And they're not going to get it if you treat them like they're others that don't belong in your midst. And so he's speaking in this parable about having a passion for those that are lost. And then he concludes it with, and I will tell you, there will be more joy in heaven. He even brings heaven and eternal impact into the mix. He says there will be more joy in heaven over that lost one coming than a bunch of righteous people who don't need any repentance at all. This morning, I want to just highlight this topic, that we as a church need to have a zeal for the lost. And when I say the lost, I mean lost people, people who don't go to church, people who don't step foot inside these doors, people who don't even think about stepping inside a church. We need to have a zeal for lost people. Because you were once lost and someone encouraged you, someone invited you, someone grabbed a hold of you. And then the next thing you know, you're encountering God and you experience a love you've never experienced before. 
And that zeal that whoever invited you, whoever got a hold of you, that they had, that's what you need to have. We as a church body need to have a zeal, a passion, an energy, an enthusiasm for lost people. There are lost people everywhere. Everywhere. And it was kind of a weird thing. I was watching a football game last night, and it was such a lopsided victory. Like It was like, I don't know, 47 to 10 or something. I was like, man, this is just crazy. And in the playoffs too, man, and these are good teams. I was just like, wow, I was just shocked. So I kind of stopped watching the game, and I was just watching people. It was in Buffalo, New York. And so one of the, you know how, I don't know if y'all seen the Green Bay Packers, they have a cheese head, big old hat, looks like a big piece of cheese. One dude had a buffalo. It looked just like a buffalo wing. It was red, like it had the sauce on it and everything. He had a buffalo wing hat because he was in Buffalo, New York. (laughs) I was like, now that's funny. So I'm watching the crowd, watching the crowd, and man, I just, I couldn't get my eyes off how many people I mean, number one, the temperature was six degrees. Yeah. The wind chill made it feel like negative six. This is an outdoor stadium in Buffalo, New York, like way up there. And people are just excited to be there. Excited to be there. Players are playing with so much passion. I mean, those Buffalo Bills, they were just you couldn't stop those guys. They were on it. They were ready. They were excited. They, I mean, when I was saying the word zeal, I was sitting there typing stuff up. I'm like, that's what zeal looks like right there. They could not be stopped. And their fans were on the next level. They could not shut up. They were loud. They were in the game. The other team couldn't hear. They were like, oh, man, we can't hear the place. It was just so intense. And everybody there was like drunk. Seriously. I mean, everybody there in six-degree weather, they're drunk. They're drinking, all of them. And I'm like, wow. Observing how many people were there, and you could tell, like, this is what they live for. Now, don't get me wrong. I love football. I'm wearing LSU Tigers right now. I love my LSU Tigers. I love my Dallas Cowboys. We're going to win today. All you 49ers fans, get out the way. Okay? Just go home and cry already. Just deal with it. I love sports. I've always have. I always will. But it's not what I live for. And man, I could tell it's what these people lived for. I was like, that's what lost people look like. Who have a misplaced zeal for life. Their entire energy and passion and pursuit is put in something that is so temporary that it has nothing to give them back. That's what lost people look like. So when I say lost people are everywhere, I mean they're everywhere. They're at your workplace. They may be in your family. They may be at your own house. Lost people are everywhere. And lost people don't need entertainment when they come to church. They need encounter. Because what people generally look for is they look to be entertained. Lost people look to be entertained. They want more entertainment. 
You can't give them that and expect them to encounter God. You have to give them God. You have to give them him. Lost people don't need ritual. They need relationships. This is what Jesus was trying to explain to these religious people. He said, hey, how do we reach out to them if we don't go after them? How do we touch them if we don't actually spend time with them? How do we minister to them if we're always to ourselves? He was telling them straight up, if you had someone that you love lost, you had a, a sheep that was lost, you would do everything. You would leave all these people and go after that one because they're worth it. Lost people don't need ritual. They need relationships. So why, oh why, as a church, should we pursue lost people? Well, the answer is in Luke 16, verse 19 through 31. It says this. This is a powerful story. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. So the, the poor man dies, goes to heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So the poor man is taken to heaven. The rich man is taken to hell. And he can actually see over him standing with their father Abraham. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in life. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from here there to us. And he said, then I beg you, father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that, that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. So he's explaining to him, you can't come over here and I can't come to you. There's a, there's a, there's a division here. We cannot cross over. You are where you are. You're there forever. I can't help you and you can't make your way this way. So he's trying to convince him to send, to send Lazarus himself to his brothers to warn him about hell. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He's saying shock value. I know that they'll listen if they see someone come back to life that, was, that they knew was dead. They, he needed to say shock value, right? And he says, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't hear the word, they will be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. There's no shortcuts is what he was trying to explain. Everyone is on an even playing field. Everyone has the same accountability measure. Everyone has the same standard set for them. If you have heard the word of God, you are now accountable to that truth. If you've been in church your whole life, then you know more than a lot of people. 
Therefore, you should live like you know it. And if you expect that somehow somebody from the dead is going to go and minister to your family on your behalf, it's not going to happen. They have to follow the same path. They have to hear the word and respond. This is why it's so incredibly important that we reach out to lost people. Because how will they know unless they hear the word of God? How do they encounter God unless someone goes to them? How do they walk through those doors unless someone invites them? How do they get from A to B unless someone is in the middle warning them, telling them, hey, listen, there's a real heaven, there's a real hell, and you have a decision to make today, and I want you to join me where God is. It may sound like the simplest thing, but that question posed to a lost person is a huge thing. For some of us who spend our entire lives in the church, we just think it's normal. We go to church. We love God. It's great. We have a relationship. For people who are lost, they have no idea what they're missing out on because all they know is the fallacy of what the world gives, the, the fake love the world gives, the fake attention. And everything you chase in the world that tries to please you and your flesh that doesn't ever satisfy your flesh, no amount of drinking, no amount of, of inappropriate relationships will ever satisfy the love that you truly receive from only the Father. The answer to keep people from burning in hell is a church burning on the earth. I'm about to say that again this side because I can't hear. The answer to keep people from burning in hell, to keep your family, my family, your friends, your coworkers from burning in hell is a church burning on the earth. And when I say burning, I mean on fire, passionate for God, burning from the inside out. That's the answer. You want someone to mysteriously show up from the sky to minister to your family like, you know, you're special and that's how it's going to happen. He's telling you, no, you got to go. They need to hear the word of God. We all have the same standards set for us. Hearing the word of God, hearing the law, hearing the truth forces us to make a choice. If you love people, you will go to them. Listen, if you've lost your passion, if you've lost your fire, if you're bored in church right now listening to this message, then this message is for you. If you're all in, if you're 100%, if you are ready to take on any assignment God gives you no matter what, then this message is also for you. Because we need to live with such a zeal for God that our fire is contagious. Your fire should be contagious. Your passion should be contagious. What's on the inside of you should come out. It should not be contained and hoarded and 
kept on reserve. No, 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 no. God gives you love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these things, not for you to keep it to yourself. <laughs> not for you to keep it to yourself. So what does this look like? Are you ready? All right, somebody turn to the other person and say, get ready. Yeah. What does this look like? Here's what it looks like. When it's time to worship, worship like it has eternal impact. When you try to invite someone to church, do it like it has eternal impact on their life. Not, oh, hey, yeah, you know, just come on out. We got coffee. My pastor loves tacos, you know. No, no, no. It has eternal impact. Has eternal everything we live for has eternal impact, eternal implications. When it's time to serve, serve like it has eternal impact. You think you're just taking care of children. Well, here's what I told Leanne when we met with her. Imagine the next pastor of this church is up there right now. Do you think you're just taking care of children now? No, no, no. This has eternal impact. This has great implications. We don't know. The next pastor could be in that room right now singing Jesus loves me. And they need to know the truth. They need to know the word. They need to know who they're serving. So when you serve, you serve like it has eternal impact. When you give, you give like it has eternal impact because what we do here matters. And if what we do here matters, then we should give like it matters. When you love, love like it has eternal impact. Book of Corinthians tells us very clearly in chapter 13 that love keeps no record of being wronged. That's a hard one to swallow right there. Love, does, it bears all things. It endures all things. It is not boastful. It keeps no record of being wronged. Love like you have to love with eternal impact. When it's time to correct or redirect someone, do it like it has eternal impact. There are many people especially in the church world, that come off very mean because, you know, they tell you you're wrong about something. And that may be true. I've experienced some of that myself. But by and large, in most cases, when someone's trying to warn you about something in your life, it's because they care. It's because they love you. It's because they're trying to tell you, hey, don't go that way. Hey, don't do that thing. That will not help you. That will hurt you. And we don't like to hear that, do we? Because nobody should tell us what to do. How dare they? Oh, really? So we should just let you walk into the fire? No, no, no. When we love each other, at times we need to bring correction to each other because it has eternal impact. It's called a blind spot. Blind spots kill people. Blind spots hurt people. Ultimately, we must speak the truth. Like it has eternal anything. We have to. 
We cannot get up here and tell you anything but the truth about where we're at, about who our God is, about where the culture is, about where the world is. We have to tell you the truth. Don't get involved in hype. Don't get involved for what may be the latest trend in fact. Go back to the source. Go back to the word of God because that's where the truth lives. So I want to tell you the truth right now. Can we do that? We all fall into a category of some type. Maybe you fall into a category you didn't think you would ever find yourself in. But all of us fall into one of these categories. You're either slipping away from your relationship with God. You're caught in a web of sin. You're uninspired or maybe confused about your purpose. Or you're eager to do more. You're grateful despite your circumstances. You're passionate. Or some might just plain be tired. I know these past couple years have done a number of things to try and tire out the body of Christ. But no matter where you are presently at, the solution will always be the same. And that is time spent with God. We sang it. There's simply nothing else. There's simply no other remedy. Like I said in the beginning, there are no shortcuts. There's one way. If you are feeling one of those type of ways, regardless of if it's good or bad, the solution is always more time with God. You, you know, and I've had people say, man, it takes so much effort. It takes so much energy. It takes so much focus to spend time with God, to read, to pray, to, to go to church, to, to be involved. Like, it takes so much. Man, you know how many people I know will spend four hours a day working on their physical body and none working on what has eternal impact? How many people will spend 12 hours a day working on their business and spend zero on what has eternal impact. How many people will spend hours a day getting into the business of all types of other people and spend zero about what has eternal impact in their own life? It takes more effort and energy to keep up with what's going on in this world than it does to spend time with God. I guarantee you that. Guarantee when we were on vacation, the best thing about the vacation is that about 75% of the time, we had no cell service. We had no Wi-Fi. It just went dark. Like, we were in the mountains, and it was like, wow, there is, like, no signal. It was amazing. 
My phone didn't ring. I didn't get emails. I didn't check Facebook a hundred times a day. It's like, wow, is this what it's like to go back to 1990? <laughs> like, seriously, it was like different, you know? I've forgotten how much time it takes, how much energy and effort it takes to keep up with your own life. And when I realized when we were over there, just spending time with each other, spending time in nature, taking in all the beauty that God created, I was like, yeah, I see it. I see it. I've heard it a lot. Oh, it's so hard, Matt. It's so hard to just be consistent. <laughs> People are more consistent with plenty of other things. Way more consistent with, hey, man, if you get up to go to work every day because you got to pay bills, you're consistent with that, aren't you? Yet that has zero eternal impact. See, our priorities are very much selfish if we break them down. But when we highlight the reality that if we really want God in our life, the simple solution is to spend time with him, then we need to make time. It won't just magically appear. Turn off your phone. Go spend time with the Lord. Turn off that, just hit that button, that little Wi-Fi button, just hit it. Uh, it magically goes away. It just, it just goes away. No, no more Wi-Fi, no signal. Nobody can reach you. That's good. Turn off your phone. I was talking with a friend the other day. He's like, man, I just have a hard time finding time. I said, bro, I see you on Facebook like all day. Like you posted something every 30 minutes. Like my entire feed when I checked it was all you. Like I don't understand. What you mean you don't got time? Like what you mean? You posted a meme every 29 seconds. You got time. Turn off your phone. It's that simple. That's the truth. That's the truth. So no matter where you're at, if you're slipping away, if you're caught in sin, if you're uninspired, if you're confused, if you're eager, if you're grateful, if you're passionate, or if you're tired, either way, make the time to spend time with God. Talk to him, and he will talk to you. What does the Bible say? When you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. I said it a little bit earlier during worship. You look like what you worship. You look like what you worship. You become what you behold. Stiff neck. You become what you behold. Whatever you spend most of your energy, your passion, your zeal on, that's what you embody. That's what you look like. That's what you become. Whatever you put aside isn't really a part of who you created yourself to be. And so if God is over here, how do you expect to get the results that you read about in Scripture where God does a miracle? He still do it because he's gracious. But, man, it's so much better living 
with him through it all than it is to just grab a hold of him at the last second because you're in an emergency mode. No, no, no. God wants relationship with you. If you are one of those lost sheep, he went after you for relationship, not so you could say the prayer and then move on with your life like it was before. No, so you don't get lost ever again. That was the point. You look like what you worship. You become what you behold. When we find our way into his presence, we find our true identity and it ignites the passion necessary that we need to spread to those we need to reach. I'm closing. We have an identity crisis in our culture today. I would say this generation struggles with identity the most. I want to read you something. It, it may sound a little cheesy, but I think it's pertinent. I saw this, and I honestly don't know if it's 100% true, so I'll just say it, but it, it was from another pastor, so I'm hoping it's true. <laughs> it says, imagine being born in 1900 when you're 14 years old. World War I begins, and it ends when you're 18 with 22 million deaths. Shortly after a global pandemic, the flu is called Spanish flu. It kills 50 million people. I come out alive and free, and now I'm 20 years old. Then, at 29, I survived the global economic crisis that started with the collapse of the New York Stock Exchange, causing inflation, unemployment, and hunger. At 33, the Nazis come to power. At 39, World War II starts and ends when I'm 45. During the Holocaust, six million Jews die. There will be more than 60 million deaths total in World War II. When in 52, the Korean War starts. When in 64, the Vietnam War starts and ends when I'm 75. But a child born in 1985 thinks his parents have no idea how hard life is. Yet they survived various wars and disasters. And then because his Annie five, who is 25 years old today, thinks that the end of the world is coming because his Amazon package took more than three days to arrive. <laughs> we live in such a different world. Cheryl's grandfather uh, and grandmother, who have passed away over the past two years, were over 100 years old. They saw it all. And they were so grounded in their faith. They were so rooted in the things of God. I would go over to visit, over to Louisiana, take the family. And immediately her grandmother would just grab me and start praying or start 
sharing something about God with me. She would give me a book here. You need to read this one. And hey, and she had this massive library. And she'd say, oh, no, no, you need to read this. And you know what? You're starting a church. Let's get you over here. You need to learn about this. And then she'd pray over us. She's in her late 90s. And her mind is sharp. And her faith is so rooted and so strong. She never wavered. She's seen it all. And yet her faith was still strong. Because they knew what was important in life. The enemy has done an incredible job of convincing this generation that what's most important in our life is convenience. When I would tell you that the message of the Bible is that the most important thing in your life is sacrifice. Because that's what Jesus did. In fact, it is the opposite of what the world tells us. Really, we should run from anything too convenient. Because it bears no weight on our eternal impact. We cannot give away what we do not have. If we are going to see passionate people around us, we must first be passionate. If we are going to lead people to his presence, we must first know how to get there. If we are going to lead people to know the love of Jesus, like our mission statement says, then we must first be in direct relationship with that love. How can we do that? If we don't make the effort, the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm, and the pursuit to seek after him. How? It's impossible. Jesus made it very clear. When they questioned him, why are you sitting with these sinners? He said, you obviously don't understand why I came. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And all around us, everywhere we go, there are hurting, broken, lost people. And it is literally up to us to reach out to them. Let's stand. This wasn't a normal Sunday morning, and that's okay. But I think it worked out anyways. I want to pray and give you a charge, give you an encouragement. I want you to go home today, and I want you to think of 10 people that fit in that category of what we just talked about. 10 people who you believe are lost, who don't know God at all, who don't go to church. They don't have that relationship. They think he's not real. Like, think of those people. We can all think of those that have been in church before and just stopped going. I'm talking about people who don't know the truth yet who haven't heard. I want you to go home. 
I want you to make that list, and I want to challenge you to reach out to those people. Just call them up. Say, hey, how you doing? Can I pray for you? You'd be surprised what people will say to you. Can't tell you how many times I'm at a grocery store, at a convenience store. I was at Lowe's the other day. We're having a conversation. The guy just tells me his life story in 20 seconds. People are desperate to be connected to something real. And the world can't give it. Everything about this world is fake. It's a facade. It's not real. Even the money's not real anymore. I mean, think about it. Nothing is truth anymore. The only truth is what we find in the word of God. The only truth is what we experience in his presence. And in order to get them there, you have to speak up. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I hope you take that challenge. I'm not going to make you commit in front of everybody. It's just going to be up to you. You have to decide, do I want to be a part of that church that has a passion and fire and a zeal to reach lost people? Do I want to be more like Jesus, in other words? Because that's what Jesus was. That's why he came. Remember what you used to be like. Remember how you used to feel before you had your relationship with God. Remember how it felt to be lost. Remember how it felt to be distant from God. Remember how it felt to not even care whether or not you lived or died. I know that's where I was. And then I encountered the love of Christ. And all it takes is someone, someone to reach out to you. You want to know who did it for me? I mean, yeah, I went to church my whole life. But when I was a senior in high school, there was this freshman punk kid named Josh. He was smart as all get out, but he was really annoying. And he always needed a ride to all the practices. He was a freshman. He had no car. So I was like, fine, get in. He was on the way. So I ended up being the guy giving him the ride. And without fail, every single time he was in my truck, he would preach the gospel to me. Freshman in high school. Had no shame. Completely passionate about the Lord. And he preached the gospel to me every day. It annoyed me. But I kept picking him up because something inside me knew I needed to hear it, even though I didn't want to hear it. And he didn't shut up. <laughs> he just kept going. And he told me one day, you need to make a decision. You know too much. <laughs> I was like, oh. I knew he was right. You could be that person for somebody. And you don't even know it. Later on in life, I realized how important his, that relationship was to pushing me towards the Lord. You could be that somebody. You could be that relationship necessary. You might think it's insignificant. Trust me, it has eternal impact. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning, for this service, for this time together. I pray this morning that we leave here with a hunger and a thirst to pursue with passion, with energy and enthusiasm, lost people here in Corpus Christi and the surrounding areas where we live, where we work, where we shop. Lord, I pray right now that you give us a boldness, a desire, a courage and a passion to speak up to those that we know need to encounter you. I pray that when 
we move forward in our day-to-day, that we think about these people, that we pray for these people, that we reach out to these people, that we call these people, we text these people, and we encourage them. We hear them, we listen, and we pray with them. I pray for every person here that is thinking, is that me? Should I do that? I pray that you give them the courage and the faith to move forward and accept that challenge. Lord, I pray for everyone who's struggling right now physically with sickness, everyone who's lost loved ones recently. We lift every family up that is dealing with loss right now. I pray right now you give them peace, give them comfort, give them safety in their heart, security in their heart, knowing that you are with them and with their family. I pray for those that are struggling physically. I pray for healing in Jesus' name, 100% healing. No matter what the situation is, what the sickness, the disease, the issue is, we pray for healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you so much for your presence in this house, and I pray that it would increase in Jesus' name. I pray that our hearts and our desire for you would pull on you so much that you could not help but draw even nearer, draw even closer. I pray for everyone serving right now and those that will be serving in the future and our team night coming up. I pray that you would just be with us all as we learn and grow together in Jesus name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.